1945, World War II came to a halt, and we find Philip Larkin's voice on the page, sad, realistic, convincing. A bleak autumnal poet, caught while thinking, hesitant, uncertain, reflective. Here he is with freshly created poems of the concrete, palpable, everyday life. No romantic halo for him, no heroic quality. True, wise, understated, he speaks to us of the big things in life, especially death. Oh, build your ship of death, oh, build it now, for you will need it, for the voyage of oblivion awaits you. The lines in the Bhagavad Gita echo in Larkin's poem, Next, Please. In this, the graveyard poet observes with tender care, looks with compassion at the despair of the human condition, its follies and foibles, its disenchantment and disquiet. He finds man's thinking interlaced with grand illusions, wrapped up in a hypnotic falsity as he continues to flee from the only unchanging truth, death. The poem takes a direct look at the futility of our endless desires, undying hopes and high expectations. How foolishly we live in this constant cycle of excitement and disappointment, distant as we are to be let down and disillusioned. Standing with the poet on a cliff, we gaze at the tantalizing vision of the sparkling armada of promise. It approaches us, the shimmering unreal beckons us as we impatiently await its arrival on the shores, a shared expectancy. And we remark how slow they are, how much time they waste. And what is it that moves towards us, quickening our desire, giving our hopes wings? A fleet of Spanish warships? An eerie, sinister image indeed for our precious yearnings, our eager anticipation. Hearts brimming with happiness, expanding to an ever-widening promise of bountiful treasures, we wait with bated breath, only to wilt and wither. For alas, the bright ships turn away and sail forth, leaving us empty-handed for long. Didn't we deserve better? Good things? Rewards? Fulfillment? Gratification? like we're in a shop or in the doctor's waiting room or perhaps in a queue in any place awaiting our turn. The poem begins with the memory of a childhood fear. For Larkin had a stammer and he dreaded being called out to speak. It ends with the terror he experienced 
when he fell seriously ill. It represents the climax of a lifetime's fear of death. It's an image frightening for us too, the inevitability of death. Larkin was obsessed with this idea of death. Many of his poems deal with this briefly, at length, directly, or indirectly. Next, please, we realize it's not the banal tone of a bored clerk. It's the grim reason. It's death calling a huge and birthless silence in her wake. No waters feed or break. Only one ship is seeking us, a black sail and heavily. Is there more to Larkin's poem than his gloomy pessimism? The poet himself admitted, deprivation for me is what daffodils were towards me. Influenced by Auden, Yeats and Thomas Hardy, look at his verse. Highly crafted, meticulous, yet fluid. A racy blend of lyricism and disappointment. A celebration of traditional feelings. The poem with its light, casual beginning disarms us. We are at ease in its beguiling charm. Soon it develops dark humor and pierces through our carefully woven fantasy of pretense and speculation. Cocooned in the comfort of our illusory world, far removed from the inescapable reality of death and despair, disappointment and frustration. Don't we discern here the resilient spirit of man, ever ready to spring back into joy and enthusiasm, into the zest and vibrancy of life itself? The faith, the belief that the best will come out of his ardent quest and colourful dreams. The ships appear like his hopes, clearer as they approach, brasswork faint, each row distinct, the flag, the golden figure. And then the lure that tempts teasingly moves away, leaving man forlorn, betrayed. Does Larkin mean that all our hopes are forever doomed to be dashed to the ground? Perhaps not. The desire, the journey, the striving and the endeavour, they are more fulfilling and valuable than the actual realisation. When we get what we want, it's not as exquisite as we imagine it would be. The void, the silence, the nothingness after death is the chilling bleakness Larkin introduces in the poem. Larkin in his final stanza breaks through our normal inclination to be evasive about death, our tendency to veil the spectre it's a direct, ultimate confrontation of death, the finality, the starkness, the bare truth. Yet, 
there's a saving grace. What does the poet imply here? What does the poem leave us with? It's not abject despair or dismal gloom. It's a flush of realization, the freedom from illusion, the keen awareness of reality. When Larkin argues against our evanescent, infounded hopes and makes us see the black-sailed unfamiliar, he reminds us of death. Isn't the poet also trying, along with us, to face the end without flinching? Let's share our awareness of its relentless approach without a sense of dread with peaceful acceptance, the poet seems to say. A ship towing at her back, a huge and birthless silence. It's a bizarre symbol, a denial of any chance of actual salvation. Yet somewhere there's a release. We find ourselves far removed atop a cliff watching this, away from the ordinary world, the world of time, ordinary events. There is fear and awe we admit, surely a sense of marvellous too? The rising mysterious moment, almost spiritual, divine, a lovely image of gathering emotional momentum. Isn't this enough to lift his poetry? Can we still call him a cynic, a skeptic?